the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Our focus on the Ascension continues here next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. If Christ was our representative on the cross, bearing our sins, if Christ is our representative as the firstborn from among the dead in his resurrection, what does that say about his ascension? Glad you asked. We'll talk about that today here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Welcome to the program. We're continuing our survey of Luke. Here in chapter 24, we have the ascension of Jesus, and we're spending our time this week looking at this ascension and what it means for you and I. Won't you join us with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace? Here's Pastor Gary Wagner. He wants you, his disciples today, to follow him into the future. He has won victory after victory over the past 2,000 years. He has destroyed enemy after enemy. He has purified and strengthened his church and chastened her time and again. And there are even greater victories that he will yet win. So the latter days of the history of Christianity are going to be far more glorious than anything that has preceded it. And the Lord Jesus Christ says to you, follow me into that future. You can be certain, he says, that it is I. You can be certain I arose from the dead. You can be certain that I will be with you until the end of the age. And now with confidence in my presence, join me in taking the future for God's kingdom. Don't face the future with despair and depression and discouragement and fear. Face it with wonder and confidence and boldness that Jesus reigns and that he is at work this very day conquering his enemies through you so that everything we do for him, however small and insignificant, will in some way or another contribute toward the advance of Christianity until that day when Scripture says the knowledge of the Lord covers the earth as the water covers the sea. That is complete, beloved. In verses 44 through 49, we have a series of statements. Now, I don't think all of these statements by Jesus were made in that room where he appeared. Because when you actually compare all of the gospel accounts, I think it's more reasonable to believe that Luke, as brilliant as he was takes these various statements from Jesus during those entire 40 days, and he weaves them together. And of course, I'm talking about the 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension. And Lord willing, we're going to talk about this more in the next couple of weeks. But notice one of the things Luke quotes Jesus as saying in verse 44. Now he said to them, these are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you 
that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now, he's emphasized this several times throughout this chapter. Notice up in verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained the things concerning himself in all the scripture. Verse 32. And they said to one another, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, were not our hearts burning in us while he was speaking to us on the road, explaining the scriptures to us? Jesus brought this up often during those 40 days that he walked the earth and before he ascended to heaven. He wants his church to know that what had happened to him was the necessary fulfillment of the plan of God as revealed in the Old Testament and prophesied by himself over and over again during his ministry. He said, this is the plan of God. This had to happen. It was inevitable that it should happen. There is nothing that have could kept it from happening because my suffering and my death and my resurrection from the grave had been planned by God from all eternity as the work of His grace by which He would save sinners from their sins. It was prophesied throughout the Old Testament. Man, if you would have just taken the Old Testament seriously and paid attention to the reading of the Bible, if you would have paid attention to me, said Jesus, as I prophesied, you would have known what all this means. So here you see Jesus once again doing what he had done throughout his ministry, and that is emphasizing that his life and his death and his resurrection all happened according to God's plan. It was not a great tragedy. It was not some accident. It was the fulfillment of the plan of God by which he would save sinners from death and from hell. Now look at the phrase, while I was still with you. He said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. Now that's an interesting phrase because he is with them. But he is with them now in a different way than he was with them then. Remember what I told you when I was still with you in the old sense, he says? Well, I'm emphasizing those same words to you now as I am with you in the new sense. And if we had time to go through the book of John, we would literally see that for three years... Nevertheless, the intimate life that he had with them for three years, that we as Christians have even in greater, in greater power through the Holy Spirit after his resurrection. And it is far more profound and far more intimate than anything that the apostles experienced for the last three years of Christ's earthly life. And that's the point he is making. Everything is new. I was with you in an old sense. I am with you now in a new sense. I am with you now in a more powerful way, a more intimate way. Now notice another phrase. It says in verse 44, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. The word must means it was, of course, predestined. Uh, 
And notice he teaches us once again, and I made a big deal of this last week, how to read the Bible. The whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation focuses on the person of Christ. But notice what he calls the Old Testament. This is the most complete title of the Old Testament to be found anywhere in the New Testament. He called it the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. And the reason he did that is because in the Hebrew Old Testament in his day, there were three sections to the Old Testament. There was the Torah, the Law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. There were the prophets, that is, all the books written by the prophets, as well as the prophetic books themselves, Isaiah, Jeremiah, etc. And then there was a third section that was given several titles, and it contained the book of Psalms and Daniel and other poetic books. And he calls that third section Psalms, not because that was the only book in this third section, because, but because it was by far the largest book of that section. So here Jesus says, the entire Old Testament, Jesus to Malachi spoke of me. I think I said Jesus, I meant Genesis to Malachi spoke of me. Now look in verses 45 through 47. In those verses, we see the Great Commission. The Great Commission is recorded several times in the Old Testament. It's recorded in Matthew 28, and that's probably the most familiar, in which it says... Go and make the world's nations my disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe whatever I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. In the 16th chapter of Mark, some manuscripts have, as the Great Commission, go into the world and teach the gospel to every creature. Well, here in Luke's summary of the Great Commission... It says in verse 45, to begin with, then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. He did this to the whole body of disciples. He did the very same thing he did to the disciples at dinner in Emmaus. And that is, he opened their eyes and enabled them to see things they were confused about over the previous three years. They saw Jesus for who he was for the first time. Remember one of the things Luke has deliberately and repeatedly emphasized is what an unimpressive lot the apostles were before the resurrection. He points out that they were unreliable, arguing who was going to be first in the kingdom, seldom understanding the most simple teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything now is going to change. And those same apostles are going to write the books of the Bible, and then they are going to put their imprimatur upon others who wrote books of the Bible. They are going to lay down their lives as martyrs as they take the gospel from India on one hand down to Africa on another and all the way to Great Britain in another direction. They were changed men. Once they saw the Lord Jesus Christ, he opened their minds and he ended their confusion. And they were never, never the same again. And whenever we are confused about anything in this life, or we are confused about the teachings of Scripture, 
or how the Bible applies to our lives or about the decisions we should make when we face various things. The way to solve that confusion is to go to the Scriptures, beloved, and study them, praying, Lord Jesus, by Your Spirit, open my eyes to understand Your Word. Now, don't sit under some tree without the Bible. And say, Lord, open my eyes and help me understand things and help me make this decision to whom I should marry or what job I should have or what car I should buy. You're not going to hear a thing. You're not going to get an answer sitting under that tree contemplating your belly button. But if you have the Bible in your hand and you are studying it, and you are trying to discern from a God's will for your lives, no matter how many PhDs you have or how little education you have, give this prayer, Lord Jesus, open my eyes to understand the Scriptures. Clear up my confusion. Scripture says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Then look at verses 46 and 47. There you have the Great Commission according to Luke. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So here you have the Lord Jesus Christ presenting the disciples with the key, first of all, to understand the Scripture. And in understanding their mission in this world. The question has got to be in their minds. What are we supposed to do now, Jesus? You're getting ready to leave us. What are we supposed to do? You are leaving us here. What is our mission? What is your mandate? Jesus says, here is your key to understanding the Bible. And your mission in the world. First of all, understand. The divine permanence of the Word of God. We get that from that little phrase, it is written. It is written is in the perfect tense in the Greek, and it means it stands permanently written. No matter how long the world lasts, no matter where you go, no matter what you face, the Bible is applicable It is permanent, divine authority. And that's where you and I get the message. That's where your mission in this world is defined. The Holy Bible and the Bible alone defines the nature and the content of the church's divinely given mission. Believe that its authority is permanent. Believe that it is an all-sufficient authority. That all you need to know about how to present the gospel and what message it is you are to present and how you are to live in this world and what you are to do for Christ in this world until He comes again. It is all in the Scriptures. It's not just a book that tells you how to keep out of hell when you die, though. It certainly does do that. But it is also a manual on how to understand all of life and learn how you are to serve the risen Christ in every aspect of your life on this earth. Then he says, this is what the Bible tells you. The Bible tells us that you, my disciples, my church, have something to proclaim. 
And the central truths that you are to proclaim are that Christ suffered and died and rose again on the third day, that repentance is absolutely necessary for the forgiveness of sins. And this proclamation, you notice in the text, is to be made in Christ's name. Now, the word name was pretty synonymous with the word revelation in all of Hebrew thought. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't take, in other words, what he has revealed about himself in vain. He says, this gospel, this message of my life, death and resurrection, the demand for repentance and everything else about it is to be taken from my name, my revelation from first to last. And he said, it is to be addressed to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And there'll be more about this in the next couple of weeks. Starting here with the Jews in the first century, presenting the gospel to them until Israel perishes in 70 AD, being destroyed by the Romans. Then from there, throughout the rest of history, take the gospel to every nation and every people on the face of the earth, Jew and Gentile. Call all people from every corner of the earth to faith in me. That is the Great Commission. Now, that was a quick summary of what Jesus says in the Great Commission. I want to take a little time to give you more detail. And this week, we're only going to get through a couple of these. What Luke says here in his litany of statements is, the source of our mission to the world, the content of our mission to the world, the means by which our message is to be presented to the world, the people to whom our message is to be delivered, and the spiritual power for carrying out our mission effectively. This is what is contained in this great commission. Now let's look each of these as we have time. First of all, in verses 46a, as well as 47b, it says, Thus it stands written, and in his name. We see here that the source of Christ's mission to the world is, without a doubt, the Word of God. It is not your opinion. It has nothing to do with your experience. The Word of God defines what we are to do here until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. So what does the command, the demand of us as Christians? It demands of us absolute faithfulness. That's the main thing that God demands of us. God does not demand of you to be famous. God doesn't demand of you to lead a thousand people to Christ or you'll be blocked from entering into heaven. God demands of us faithfulness, even if we have to beat our heads against stone's walls and we see very little fruit to our witnessing and preaching. Still remain faithful, he says. We are to be faithful to the Word of God in all things. This is the great demand upon us. Persevering faithfulness no matter what. We are to be faithful in doing and saying what God has called us to do and to say. And then when we realize that the source of our mission is the Word of God alone, it will produce two things within us. It produces within us boldness and humility. 
It makes us bold. We should never, never be easily intimidated. What is it that unbelievers usually throw at you today to try and silence you? Well, it's awfully bigot of you to impose your views upon the rest of us. Oh, such arrogance. And, and how might you answer such nonsense? Hey, I agree with you entirety. If those are my views, if those ideas are what originated with me, then for me to impose them on you and tell you you are going to hell if you don't agree with me is arrogance of the worst sort. But these ideas did not originate with me. They originated in, thus it stands written in the name of Christ. The revelation of God, the word from His very lips contained in Holy Scripture. So that when the world says things to try and silence you and to manipulate your conscience, you don't have to be intimidated, beloved. You need to say boldly, this is the truth alone. And unless you believe it, you will perish. But it also produces within us humility. When we understand that the message we are to proclaim, the mission we are called to be on, originated not with us, but with God's Word. As it defines everything about our life, it produces within us humility. When the world hears us say, this is the truth, they will automatically think we are arrogant. Anytime you say this is right, this is wrong, this is true, this is false to modern Americans, they will hear that immediately as arrogance and bigotry, even though they claim the same thing. Why do you even say things like some things are right, some things are wrong, some things are true, some things are false? You say it. Because you have the book of the Lord Jesus Christ, the very word of God. You know that there's a book from God that distinguishes right from wrong. As you know, there is a book from God that distinguishes right from wrong. As you understand that book and apply that book, you bring the moral absolutes of God to bear on the consciences of men and cultures, and they cannot stand it. Now, why do you think, why, why do they think that you are so arrogant, even though you could possibly be the most humble person in the world? Because they don't believe there is a book from God. They don't believe there is a revelation from God in which he has declared his will and by which he will judge all men, ourselves, as well as our actions. They believe that they are left to themselves. They close out the universe, God out of the universe. And they believe that all we have to go on is our own experience and our own reason and our own use of logic and our own subjectivity and how we see all things. So it appears to them that we are arrogant when we speak with healthy dogmatism. We have to impress on them that this doesn't originate with us. Because I am nothing. I am only a clay vessel, cheap, 
frail vessel made of mere clay, but oh, the treasure that we hold in Christ. Oh, the revelation that has been given to us as His children. When you understand the Word of God and that it did not originate with you, it not only makes you bold, but it humbles you. It makes you lowly because you know its truth and its power does not depend upon you at all. You just need to speak it and let God do the convicting. Well, in verse 46, we see the content of Christ's message to the world. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 40 408- 5607 That's 408-866-5607. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB, that stands for Post Mailbox, number 402-1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.